Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right, well, welcome to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. As always, happy to be here with our listeners, and we are at the top of the hour. We have a great show for you today. You know, today we're going to talk about a few things that are going on. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about this healing conference that's going on at the Vatican and what that what does that mean for us as Catholics? You know, we talk about healing a lot of different times here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We have our Healing and Deliverance Conference. I am part of a healing and deliverance team uh, with the Diocese of Orange. Uh, our ministry is always going to be in healing and deliverance. And then there's this conference going on at the Vatican, which is a little bit different from what we're used to, and we're going to talk about that and what does that mean for us as Catholics. In today's show, I also have a couple of case studies. What I want to do is uh, kind of model our show here since it, we are coming here to the clinic to talk about our mental health, our spiritual health, and our physical health. Uh, I'm going to bring a little few more case studies uh, as people have asked me, you know, different questions that come up about, you know, my family member, this is happening to them, or, you know, this is happening to me in particular, uh, or anything along those lines where I get emails or questions. And so I think sometimes that we hear different cases, different things that are going on for people, it kind of helps us to understand um, or really resonate and sympathize with what's happening in our lives. And maybe, okay, that sounds like me. Maybe I need some help either in mental health and spiritual health or physical health for that matter. And then at the last, uh, at the, at the end of the hour, we're going to be talking about the holy hour challenge and how that's going. I got to tell you, it has been awesome for me so far. It's been two weeks. It has not been easy. It has not been easy. And I think in the, in the hardness of it, it has been pretty awesome. And we're going to talk about that. For those of you who are following uh, that challenge or contributing to that challenge, we're going to talk about getting more information and maybe even having a Zoom meeting or something so we can meet uh, individually about how this is impacting our lives. But before we get started on our show, let's start with the Angelus since we are here at the noon hour. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. And as all in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. As always, we ask Our Lady and St. Michael to bless our shows uh, here as we talk about, uh, you know, some heavy topics here for us as Catholics and, and what that means. Well... 
Turns out that the Vatican is going to have its fifth international conference on health. And the title of it is called Exploring the Mind, Body, and Soul, How Innovation and Novel Delivery Systems Improve Human Health. It's interesting because, you know, when we talk about human health and we talk about getting healthy, we have to ask ourselves a few questions. When people come to the clinic uh, to see me, if they have any physical ailments or, or issues with mental health, they always ask me, what are the latest medications? Give me something that works. First of all, you know, these are my symptoms, what's going on, please diagnose me. And then once you have a diagnosis, what's gonna help me heal? What's gonna make me better? Um, <clears throat> in this case, with this conference, it's talking about mind, body, and soul, uh, and it is going to be a virtual conference. One of the interesting things about it is that it's coming out of the Vatican, and some of my colleagues and friends uh, who are Catholic have said, well, did you look at the list of speakers that the uh, Vatican conference is holding? And so some of these speakers are going to feature Anthony Fauci, Chelsea Clinton, Deepak Chopra, um, among other celebrity speakers as I read different articles on it and what's going on. It really seems like there's uh, active medical philanthropy, global health advocates, policymakers, uh, some physicians and religious leaders. Um, one of the things that is challenging, though, is that as I was reading about this and what I had to ask myself was, where is the talk about Jesus? You know, I have, I have yet to see um, a priest, you know, come and talk about healing. I have yet to see, uh, you know, something in terms of the Eucharist as a source of healing. I have yet to see any um, reference to the gospel as a source of healing. And so what does that mean to me as a Catholic? Well, <clears throat> you know, I'd be curious to see as a physician, as a psychiatrist, do I want to listen to what this conference has to say or what it's going to mean in my life? I'd be curious to see what they say because I'd want to compare it to the truth. And that's really kind of the bottom line. So far, you know, there might, could there be elements of the truth? If Christ is brought up as a source of healing, sure, there could be elements of the truth in that. I'd be curious to see what these people experience as they are doing this from the Vatican. You know, personally, as a Catholic, when I go to the Vatican, I do hope for healing of body, mind, and soul. And then we're going to look at some Bible passages um, and different things that can come up in terms of, you know, where have we been healed as Catholics and where does this come from? Because when I go to the Vatican, I'm going there to look for Christ. I'm going to go to the chair of Peter uh, and say, hey, well, you're the first pope and you were appointed by Christ uh, as the first pope to sit on this chair. And therefore, I think Christ wanted you to send to the world the message of himself as the healer, uh, as that's one of his titles. He was known as a teacher, a healer, a preacher. Um, and he went around healing people. You know, we got to remember that in, in the Gospels when we start looking at these different modalities. Now, um, when we do look at this, you got to ask yourself a few questions. What is it that these speakers are going to talk about in terms of healing? I know that some of them were uh, some of the topics were going to be about transcendental meditation and other topics were going to be about self enlightenment and things of that nature. Here's what I would say. You know, because there's a lot of uh, questions, controversy I get. Dr. Sandoval, is acupuncture good? Dr. Sandoval, is yoga good or bad? Uh, Dr. Sandoval, what's going on with Reiki uh, and healing in that area? And here's what I always say to all this. One, ask yourself, where is the healing coming from? Right? So you feel like you want healing from something. We're not doing well. We're not, we, we might feel sick in a certain area and we want to get better. That's really the bottom line, right? If we're going to have a conference on healing, it's that I want to get better and I want to have a better health, but where's that healing coming from? If I'm going to go seek healing, where is it coming from? Um, and if I'm going to look at practices of Reiki, of yoga, people use crystals and they say, there's a lot of power in these crystals or there's, you know, 
when I do Reiki, I invoke the power of the universe. Well, where does the universe get its power from? What's what's that power? You know, when I do yoga, I put myself in a certain position. Well, are you doing muscle stretches? There's nothing wrong with physical therapy. In fact, some of the yoga positions, you know, you can take the position and just kind of stretch your muscles out and feel the ligaments and we know what muscles we have. Um, but really, what are you, what's your intent? Because that's what it comes down to when it comes to healing. What's your intent and where's the healing coming from? That's what you want to ask yourself. Um, because when people are doing crystals and they say, there's a lot of energy coming through these crystals. And I bought this crystal because they told me that this was going to have this particular type of energy or it was going to make me happy or it was going to do this. And okay, well, where's that crystal getting its energy from? What kind of energy? As a scientist, we always ask ourselves, what kind of energy is it? Heat energy, hydraulic energy. You know, there's different energies out there. And I know where hydraulic energy comes from. I know where heat comes from, right? Fire, heat, it's going to have energy. But where does this energy comes from from these different sources of healing? That part, I don't know. I would want to get a specific answer. I'd be curious to see what people have to say, you know, in terms of uh, when they're speaking on these different topics, where's this healing coming from? You know, who's, who's the source of the healing? Well, <clears throat> here's what I can tell you. If I go to the Vatican and I want to hear talk on healing, I'm hoping that from the chair of Peter, I hear the voice of Christ. And I hope to hear that Christ is healing us as well, you know. And I do know that if we're going to have faith in Christ, we have to ask ourselves, what kind of healing do we want to offer people when it comes to their soul, right? Do we deviate from Christ? Is Christ God or not? One of the challenges that we see in deliverance is that once we start deviating and looking for healing, looking for answers elsewhere, um, we get we run into pro- trouble. And we're going to see that in some of our, our, our cases that we're going to discuss, but we run into trouble. If I start asking myself about different chakras, well, where is this healing from the chakras coming from? Is it coming from, you know, some kind of a deity that you've told me about? Is it, a, 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 you know, a different religion or anything along those lines? Okay, let's take a step back. We're Catholics, and as Catholics, we believe that we hold the fullness of the truth, right? Our truth has been revealed by Jesus Christ. He's the final paradigm. We don't need to change anything that Christ has taught us because if he is God and he gave us the final teaching, then he's going to be the the last source that we need for anything, really. We just have to trust in him. Well, let's look at some healing uh, that we're going to have because I was talking to Terry here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio, and I thought, you know, it's interesting that there's this healing conference, but I think we need to have our own healing conference. I know that we have healing and deliverance conferences here, but I think we have to have our own medical healing conference, our own spiritual healing conference, and really source it and base it in the resources that we know. Now, are we going to use the Bible as a resource? I hope so, because I want to read a story here from the Bible, and we're going to look at, you know, the Bible, the Gospels are full of Jesus healing people, and I wonder, are any of those Gospels going to be uh, employed here at this Healing Deliverance Conference? Let's read this one. This is from Mark chapter 5, okay, and it starts at verse 21, and it says, a girl restored to life and a woman healed. I'm just going to read the whole passage, and then we're going to go through and we're going to see what did Jesus do to heal there, um, and where really did that healing come from? And so it says, and when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and begged him, saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. More about that when we come back. We're going to see here. We're at the point of death. And who do they go to when we're at the point of death for healing? Looks like we're going to go to Christ. More about that when we come back from the break. And we're going to read more about what real healing is in the Gospels and the way Christ is going to heal
All right, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show, and I am your host, Dr. Luis Sandoval. Today we're talking about what is true healing when we're looking for healing of body, mind, and spirit, or soul, uh, and where do we go to for that? You're going to hear a lot of different things. You're going to hear that there is a whole lot of healing if we look at you know, different energies and transcendental and how to meditate and self-enlightenment. But as Catholics, we know that that is not necessarily the case. We were reading as we left off on a gospel where somebody came to Jesus and said, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with this man. So Jesus went with this man and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I shall be made well. And immediately the hemorrhaging ceased and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone forth from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had been done to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house someone who said, Your daughter is dead. Remember, he was on his way to, to cure this daughter, and this woman touched him on the way, and he kind of took a pause there. Now it turns out somebody comes back to say, Hey, the daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher, teacher any further? But ignoring what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, he saw a tumult and people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, why do you make a tumult and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them aside. He put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, um, Talita Kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and walked for she was 12 years old. And immediately they were overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them so that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. If you notice something in this, in this gospel reading, We've actually got two cases of healing back to back. And I think it's important that they displayed this because this little girl is about to die. Somebody comes to Jesus and they say, hey, master, I need you to come heal my little girl. And on his way, all of a sudden, this woman gets healed. And it seems like this little girl's going to die now. You know, he didn't make it there on time. The questions I know in other gospels has been, Lord, had you been here on time, they would have lived. We got to remember life is on God's time and God's healing is going to take place. And he knows exactly what he's doing. And if we think that, oh, it's all over, you know, I'm sick and, and it's done. We, we've lost our faith. We have to look at something that happened before when this woman who was, had been seen by doctors, had had bleeding issues for 12 years, was healed she was healed by her faith. You know, Jesus said, who touched me? And the apostles say, Lord, obviously everybody was touching him. There was a big crowd, but there was something important that happened. 
This woman had faith. And guess what? Jesus felt that. And the whole crowd, he could tell, somebody with faith touched me. If we approach Christ with faith, that's how we're going to be healed. Jesus said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Our faith in what is it that's going to heal us? Our faith in Christ. That's really the healing conference that we have to have. How much can we increase our faith in Christ in order to truly be healed? That's where the healing is going to come from. If I start thinking that there's some kind of internal power within me that I can conjure up, that I of my own volition, that I of my own power can bring up and I'm going to have an effect, I've already lost the game. I am not the vine, I'm the branch. Jesus is divine. Jesus is the one who has the power. And if I don't go to Jesus with my faith for healing, then it's not going to work. So then people are going to say, but Dr. Sandoval, aren't you a doctor? Don't you prescribe medication? Don't you, uh, that healing, that's, you know, where's that power coming from? The power is studying our bodies, studying the body that God gave us and understanding that how it works. It would be the equivalent of saying, well, you got to eat. We understand what food is. We have to know what food is. We study how the body's going to metabolize food. At the same time, we understand how the body can go through different chemistries, different chemicals. And we look at that, but we never separate Christ from that. I would never say, well, because I've figured out this medication works, there's no God. No, we have to understand and we have to realize that everything comes from God. Everything comes from Christ. That's where our true healing is going to come from. Even a woman who touches him in the middle of a crowd, Christ can feel that. I wonder, can Christ feel my faith? Am I, do I have enough faith that I reach out to Christ in my heart and he says, Dr. Sandoval, I, I, I can feel you touching me. I can feel that you're going to be healed because of your faith. That's where our healing and deliverance conference really needs to be. That's the conference we need to have. We need to have our faith in Christ. While this is happening, this other girl seems to be dying, and it seems like there's no hope in her, and Christ is saying, what are you talking about? She's only sleeping. I'm still coming. I'm on my way. I'm still going to heal her. Don't lose faith because what you think is death or what you think is not quick enough healing is going to be in your mind the equivalent of it's all over. And Jesus is saying, where is it all over? I'm still coming. Do you not have faith in me? He shows up and to show the crowd, he says, she's not dead. She's sleeping. The crowd laughs, right? Everybody laughs. And he just kind of shrugs his head. Probably I could see him just kind of shaking his head and going, boy, you guys don't get it. There must have been an element of of faith in the dad and and the the, uh, master who came to ask Jesus for help. There had to be some kind of element of faith because without the faith, there is no healing. That's where our healing and deliverance is going to come from. You know, there was a case that I had seen one time, and this was uh, in Mexico. This wasn't here uh, when I was younger. You know, in Mexico, we, we in the culture, it's very, very common that we turn to uh, practices of the occult, sadly enough, you know, whether it be reading tarot cards or going to what we call curanderos or witch doctors, and we believe that there's potions and people have limpias where somebody says prayers to some kind of uh, entity. You know, it's transcendental, transcendental. It's all about the universe. It's all about rubbing an egg on you or some herbs or something. And somehow people try to put their faith in these things. It really comes down to, if I start putting my faith in these things, um, where's the first commandment? We're already breaking the first commandment. My only faith should be in God. Well, what happened once was there was a young gal over there and she was very much into crystals. And she really believed that she needed, uh, you know, these crystals to make her better and whatnot. And the parents were really worried and they were going to the priest and they were saying, we need an, we need an exorcism for my daughter. Kind of reminds me of, you know, these gospel readings where it's like, Hey, my daughter is dying and I need help. I need, I need, uh, I need help for this. And, and they would go to the priest and say, you know, we need an exorcism. And they were shocked because the local priest said, no, 
you don't need an exorcism. A lot of times, you know, we come to uh, feeling that whether it be a family member like this, where it's parents with a daughter, or for ourselves, you know, I feel like the devil's influencing my life. I feel like, you know, all these things are happening in my life. I feel I can't think straight. Maybe I can't walk into the church. I feel terrible when I walk into the church. Um, You know, I'm doing all these things. I haven't been to church for a long time. I don't receive the sacraments. I don't go to confession. I think the devil's really working hard in my life. And, you know, I've turned to these other things and now I need an exorcism. And this is where it gets a little bit challenging. You know, so a lot of people might say, well, gosh, why did this priest not want to give this girl uh, uh, prayers of exorcism? It sounds like she got involved in, in some occult practices and some crystals looking for energy somewhere else, maybe open the doors to something occult. But the priest said, no, isn't that lack of charity? Why would you deny anybody that? It's very important to ask ourselves this. What is an exorcism for? Just because you've gotten involved in the occult or there's negative things going on in your life does not necessarily, and it could be, you know, it could be influenced by the devil. It could be an oppression. It could be an obsession. It could be something along those lines. Does that mean that you need an exorcism right away? No, it does not. We Sometimes we think that we're so quick to want a quick answer, right? We want something fast. We want something now. And we forget that there's what's called the ordinary means to salvation. The ordinary means means get up, say your daily prayers, go to mass, uh, you know, go to church, go to confession, live the sacraments. If we start doing that, guess what? You're not going to need much, much else of anything else. But why don't we just do that? Why did this priest say no to these parents? It was because one, the parents weren't practicing the faith. They themselves, who were the leaders of the household, were not going to church. They were not living the sacraments out. And they said, you know, we just want this. We want our daughter to get better because they were saying that she was acting weird. She was getting dark. The crystals were, uh, you know, or her obsession with the crystals and whatever energies were coming from that were impeding her life. And she wasn't able to move forward. And so the priest said, okay, but what are you going to do about this? What are you going to do in terms of your ordinary Catholic life? Are you going to start going back to church? Are you going to do? And they really had no inclination, no, no idea about doing that. And the priest said, no, without these ordinary means, he said, well, what's the point? I could come in here. I could do an exorcism. She might get better. I might push the evil entities away, but they're going to come back. They're going to come back if you don't live this life. Now, this little girl under the power of her parents, her parents themselves were not exercising their authority. They were not saying, you know, as parents, we have a responsibility under God that we're going to bring up our child in our domestic church and that we're going to teach her about Christ and teach her that these are the right sacraments. If they weren't doing that for themselves, is an exorcism even going to work? You know, if you listen to any of the exorcists out there, if you listen to their talks, I was listening to a talk by Father Lampert and he's out of Indiana. And he was saying, you know, he gets probably about 2000 inquiries every year. And out of those, how many might be truly possessed? Maybe about two, right? So what are the odds that somebody truly, truly needs an exorcism? What are the odds that somebody's truly possessed? Very slim to none, you know, very slim to none. It's going to be rare. It's going to be extremely rare. What we really got to do is ask ourselves, can the devil influence us in different ways other than a full possession? Yeah. And are we opening the door? But then why is it that we want the quick pill, right? And these exorcism cases or people come and say, I need an exorcism. We got to ask ourselves, do you need an exorcism? Or are you being spiritually lazy, right? When we go to the gym, you know, we see all these things sometimes about going to the gym and getting exercise and getting, you know, a beautiful body really quickly and getting big muscles really quickly. How many people would say, gosh, if I could just take a pill and look like that, 
that's what I'll do. I, it's too much work to go to the gym. That's not how the body works. You're not going to get a pill to get really big muscles. You're going to have to go to the gym and you're going to have to work every day and you're going to have to try different exercises and you're going to have to set goals for yourself to do that. And you're going to have to ask yourself, well, what muscle do I want to work today? What's my goal of working these muscles? How do I want to look? Is it that I just go in there and look at the weights and that's how it's going to be? Sometimes we're like that as Catholics. Sometimes we think I need an exorcism. You know, because all of a sudden this little girl, according to the parents, you know, she would roll her eyes back. She would do different things. A lot of things that people would say, nope, she's definitely influenced by, by demons. You know, she's, she's got all these different things going on. Let's say that she was fully possessed. Is it going to matter if the priest does an exorcism if there is no follow through, if there is no follow up? Probably not because the door is probably still open. You know, if, if he does the exorcism, she starts to feel better. What happens to us? You know, if we are uh, addicted to something and all of a sudden we, you know, I see this a lot. People drink alcohol, things of that nature, and they're addicted to it. And they say, oh, you know, I, I got to get this out of my life. I'm going to go to a treatment center. Fine. I go to a treatment center. They, and for that moment. They're great because they got all these tools. They talk to a lot of different people and no, I'm not going to drink anymore and I'm going to get out of there, you know, and I'm going to be fine. But then all of a sudden they forget that because it wasn't a lifetime practice. They left the alcohol treatment center and all of a sudden, you know, it was good while it was there, but it was not implemented every day. So all of a sudden they start feeling better. They start going to the party. They start feeling good with people and you start thinking, you know what? I can do this. I can do this. If we don't incorporate Christ every single day in our lives, we're going to be thinking we're needing exorcism all the time. When really all we need to do is get to Mass, bring Christ in our life. That's going to be the true healing. That's more transcendental than any other kind of ideas of transcendental or self-enlightenment we're going to find. Christ is always going to be the answer to healing of our body, mind, and soul. More when we come back from the break. All right, welcome back to the Dr. Blue Sandoval Show here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Today we're uh, doing a special, special focus on healing of body, mind, and spirit. Uh, more so because uh, there's going to be a healing conference, and it's probably happening as this is being aired uh, at the Vatican. And one of the things that's interesting is that this healing conference, um, from what I was reading as far as the agenda, it really didn't include Christ. And I've always told my friends and family, gosh, when I go to the Vatican, I hope to find Christ there more than anywhere else. Um, you know, but it does include a lot of headliners, a lot of people who might be very influential, um, but there's no talk of sacraments as a source of healing or the Eucharist as a source of healing or anything that we know as Catholics as a source of healing. We do have influential speakers, but that always reminds me of something that Mother Teresa said one time. She said, you're not called to be famous. You're called to be faithful. And so if we're looking for fame or if we're looking for big names or things along those lines, you know, we got to ask ourselves why. I respect people's opinions. I want to hear what they have to say. But when it comes to my spiritual well-being, if I'm not hearing something from the magisterium of the church, what am I doing? You know, that's the bottom line. I got to hear something from the magisterium of the church. I got to follow. Why? What does that come down to? Honestly, it comes down to the first commandment. It's that simple. I am your God. You will have no other gods. What does that mean? Well, it means this. It goes on further when they ask Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? You shall follow God. You shall love God, right? The, the hero Israel, you shall love God with your body, mind, soul, spirit, with everything. That's what you love God with, which means that I have to turn to everything for God. When we're looking for healing, let's look at the Gospels. Let's look at the healing passages of the, of the Gospels where Christ is saying, I'm going to heal this person, or they come to somebody and heal them. You know, we, sometimes people look for transcendental energy somewhere else. Where am I going to get this energy from so that I am better? You know, I can, th the Gospel I think about is when the centurion comes up to Christ and says, you know, 
I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof, right? If you want it, it will be done. You can heal my servant uh, from where you are. It does not get much more cosmic than that. Christ can heal us from anywhere. One time I had a laugh. I was in church. Uh, I was at uh, Annunciation Byzantine Church in Anaheim, and Father Stephen Wachko there was doing a blessing on holy water. And uh, due to COVID, of course, all the water, he said, bring holy water, put it in plastic bottles, and um, you know, leave it there. I'll bless them. And one of the things that was funny is that he said, leave the bottles closed. He said, the Holy Spirit can work through plastic. I thought that was hilarious because we don't think about that. We always think, no, the holy water has to touch you. We got to have faith like that, like Father Stephen, where, you know, the Holy Spirit's going to work through anything. There's nothing that's going to stop Christ. Time and space do not stop Christ. All right. Well, we've come to the part of our show. We talked about healing deliverance. We talked a little bit about a minor exorcism case. I don't like to focus too much on that because I don't want to give too much credence to the to the dark side. But if sometimes you don't need exorcisms, you know, when we look for healing, I mentioned that because as we're looking for crystals, as we're looking for tarot cards, as we're looking for readings, we start going deeper and deeper down that route. And at what point does it get to, you know, I'm looking to the Ouija board, I'm looking to find answers somewhere else and it's not Christ. You might not necessarily need an exorcism if you get to that point, but you will need to start leading a regular life of prayer in the, in the church. Um, now we're at the part, uh, part of the show where I like to call it uh, coffee and therapy. I have a little bit of coffee and therapy. Why? Because when it comes to mental health, we come upon mental health cases. Um, and one thing we have to ask ourselves is, you know, being in deliverance is, is this strictly mental health or is there an element of uh, deliverance and healing that needs to take place, spiritual healing that needs to take place? Um, and one of the things is that can get a little bit confusing and this is where it's nice to have uh, psychiatrists and priests working together in order to find ultimately healing a body, mind, spirit, you know, and doctors as well, because if it's the body that's being affected, uh, then that's what's going to matter. Well, there was a case one time of a man, he was about in his forties and he came to me, um, because he was having a lot of anxiety and his anxiety was coming from a very dark place. And by dark, I mean, he had gotten, unfortunately, into pornography and he had become addicted to it. But it wasn't enough that it was just pornography. It was actually leading to much darker thoughts. So it started that way and that how it starts right with a little hook and he couldn't stop watching it. And he kept going to the computer and started watching it. But after a while, he started noticing that he started having dark thoughts about actually hurting people hurting his own family members, about abusing people, about um, killing people, really is what it was. Now, he didn't have a plan in place. It wasn't anybody in particular. There were just general ideas about his family and doing this, but he said he could not shake these thoughts. And he said he was getting very, very anxious about it. He wasn't sure what to do. And in fact, it was getting so anxious and it started leading him down a road of depression. Well, he came to me and I said, you know, well, let's start your treatment. Okay. Let's start getting you, um, some antidepressants, anti-anxiety medication. Let's see how well this works for you. Uh, and we started him on the medication and, you know, he did okay. Uh, it wasn't healing him that well. He was still feeling some depression, some anxiety. He couldn't really shake the addiction component. Um, at the same time, he was saying that while he was feeling better, you know, his wife kept telling him, you got to go talk to a priest. His brother kept telling him, well, you got to go talk to a priest. They were sensing something that I was not going to be able to sense in the short time I saw him in clinic. Um, because overall I was focused on his anxiety, his depression. I thought, gosh, you know, if we start treating that first, if he starts feeling better as far as any anxiety or depression, then we can start to focus on well, what's driving you to, um, you know, to go to watch all this pornography and what's driving you to have these thoughts. Let's control the thoughts. So I thought if we start working backwards and we're going to help him heal. Um, 
and it was a, it was a good approach at first, but something was missing there. Something wasn't wasn't right. And so I asked them, well, why do people? You know, we've talked about your anxiety, or depression, but why do people keep telling you you need to go to a priest? You know, this is where the the you're you're coming here. You're taking this medication. You say you're feeling better. What are they seeing uh, that I'm not seeing? And he said, you know, my wife is telling me that I'm really dark and she realizes that she thinks it's more of a sinful nature than an addictive nature. I was treating him more like an addiction, like, hey, we got to we got to treat this addiction that you got. And of course, you know, it is sinful on the way. But if it's an addiction, we're going to treat that component. The wife was saying, no, she thinks that, I, you know, he was telling me she, that she thought it started more from, you know, him not being satisfied in the marriage, him not feeling like he and his wife were intimate enough and started finding satisfaction elsewhere. Well, when he told me about that, I told him, you know, keep taking your medication. Don't stop taking your medication. But it's probably a good idea that you seek some counseling too, because if, if you feel that, uh, you know, there's something going on with your marriage, which is a sacrament, right? The marriage is a sacrament and, and if it's broken, then it's not a bad idea to go speak to a priest. If, if your wife is suggesting that she's the other half of the sacrament and it's something that, you know, can be respected. Um, and he said, okay, okay. He thought about it. I didn't see him for a little while. Uh, but he went to go speak to his priest eventually. Well, eventually he came back to see me again, you know, after a few months and I asked him how he was still taking his medication. I asked him how he was doing when he came back to see me and boy, he was a different person, a much happier person. He, uh, had gone to speak to a priest. I told him what happened. You know, you seem happier. You're still taking the medication. He said, yeah, you know, I went to go speak to a priest. And, uh, as I was talking to him about what happened, he said, he, he heard my confession right there. He, he, he asked me if I wanted absolution. And I said, yes. He said, I couldn't shake this. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't stop, you know, feeling this way. It was so dark. And I thought at that point, sure, you know, why not? He said, so I went to confession to him and he said, no sooner had the priest said, I absolve you of your sins. And he said, as he was saying in the, the making the sign of the cross in the name of the father and of the son and of the, he said, the Holy Spirit, as he was finishing the words, Holy Spirit, he said he didn't even finish saying spirit when all of a sudden he felt something lift. He said he felt joy. He f- said he felt no need to go back to the computer. He felt all these thoughts that were plaguing him were gone in an instant. And that is, he said, no sooner had the priest finished saying, Holy Spirit, I absolve you of your sins in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Did not even finish saying that. And he felt he said it was a night and day difference. He said it was like a temperature change, the way that you feel. He said, just kind of like walking from a hot room into an air conditioned room. He said it was, it was a whole different thing. It lifted for him. At the same time, he came back and I said, but you're still taking your medication. And he said, yeah, you know, the thing is, I felt so good after that confession uh, that I thought, wow, I don't need anything any, anymore. I'm, I'm cured. I'm, I'm good. This was 100% spiritual, which obviously the proof is in the pudding. There was definitely a spiritual component. He needed to have that confession um, to get better. He was being influenced by the dark side. He did not need an exorcism. If you notice that, you know, do I need an exorcism? Not necessarily, because even though he was going down a dark path and he was being influenced, he could have been, you know, an obsession and oppression, but he went to the sacrament of the church. It doesn't get more powerful than the sacrament of confession to beat out anything demonic because you've turned yourself back to Christ. You've rejected anything that's against the faith. And all of a sudden, this is why we say that the sacraments actually do something. They have an effect. They are actually doing something. It's not like, um, you know, a sacramental. A sacramental is a sign of our faith. Exorcism is just a sacramental. You know, it's granted it invokes the whole power of the church, but it's a sacramental. It's not at the level of a sacrament. A sacrament is actually efficacious. It does something. It has an effect. Um, it's truly Christ right there present. When he did this, he felt great. You know, a lot of the, the evil influence was gone. At the same time, this is where we can't deny he was, he said he stopped his medication because he felt so good, 
but he started getting a little bit depressed and anxious again. Not anything driving him towards darkness or evil, but he just was not himself. He was not motivated. He started feeling a little depressed, a little down. He had some crying spells, started getting anxious about things that he felt were really not that big a deal, did not need uh, to be anxious about, but he didn't know how to shake that. So he restarted his medication and he felt better. We have a situation here uh, in this case where this man, yes, was he being influenced by something dark? Absolutely. So, but was he also having issues with mental health? Absolutely. This is where both things can happen. Now, how do we decipher that? How do we weed it out? It can be challenging because had he not told me about his wife's, uh, you know, opinion about him and their relationship not doing really well, um, had he not shared that with me, I would have thought, yeah, this is completely mental health and we got to continue working with this and it could be chronic, which happens. Um, and we still got to do our prayers. We still got to live our Catholic life, but sometimes some healing is going to take time and as bodies, they're not perfect, right? So if you ever listen to somebody who tells you, oh, I've got this perfect thing. It's going to heal everything. You're all you have to do is enlighten yourself. eh, I would be cautious of that, you know, but he goes to confession and he gets healing like that. That's where Christ is the ultimate healing. That's what I want to hear from. Um, and so he actually got better. He still needed his mental health medication, but he was doing really well. The level of stability, he could live his life. It was okay. I told him, think of your you know, psychiatric medication as a vitamin at this point, and we can look down the road to see, you know, maybe we can wean off of it down the road once you've been on it for a while, once you felt more stable. Everything was still very fresh. So I told him, don't change anything. Keep going the way you're going. Um, and I think you're going to do okay. And he said, you know, I never want to leave the church again. I never want to fall into sin again. And boy, he, he was a different person. You know, I think that we always feel that way after we go to confession. We never want to again. Is it inevitable that we do? We're human. We're going to have, you know, our moments where we think, oh, we're on top of the world and we're going to fall again. But the key is getting back on the horse, going back to the sacraments, getting that feeling again, because Christ will give us that feeling every time. Um, When we come back from the break, we're going to talk about the Holy Hour Challenge, how that is going. We are now until week three if we're focusing on the virtue of love. And the following next week, we're going to be focusing on the virtue of faith. But I want to share some stories about how it's been going for me and what we're going to do about it with the rest of us in the future. More to come after the break. All right, welcome back to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I am your host, Dr. Luis Sandoval. Today we are focusing on healing and deliverance and more so healing a body, mind, soul. What's really going to get you to that healing? You know, when we start hearing different theories uh, of things that are not accurate uh, or that might not be Christ-centered, we got to ask ourselves as Catholics, why would I even consider that? You know, and it's interesting. I, I like hearing what people have to say or what their thoughts are, but I always got to bring it back to the gospel. I got to bring it back to how does Christ heal? I got to ask myself, where is the healing coming from? You know, I trust the science. I don't always trust the scientists. And so show me the science and see what it is. But I always, I always, you know, they say question authority. I want to question the scientists and see where they're getting their facts from. Um, So we've come to the last part of our show where I want to give an update on uh, our Holy Hour Challenge. And so anybody who's been following the Holy Hour Challenge, as you know, what I'm looking for is actually when I started this Holy Hour Challenge, I didn't know about this uh, Vatican um, healing conference, but it was all about finding peace and really healing. If we find peace, you know, why would I want to focus on peace? The real reason I focused on peace is I thought, what is it that's most important? What would Christ tell us is most important? Well, guess what? Christ was on the earth. He did these miracles. He was healing us. 
He goes through, we have the Last Supper, we have the crucifixion, we have the resurrection. And the very first words that he tells his apostles when he appears to them after his resurrection are, peace be with you. That sounds pretty important to me. Something about peace is pretty important. And I think that if that's the first thing he wants us to have, I think everything, it's like a domino effect. Once we have peace in our lives, everything else will fall into place. Things that bother us are probably not going to bother us anymore. Things that the world sees as important, we're going to clearly see as really lacking or not having anything to do in my life. And I need to move forward and keep the peace of Christ. That's where the power comes. That's where my energy, what energy do I want? I want the energy of peace. And where's, where's that energy source? It's source in Christ. When uh, the angel appeared to the kids in Fatima before our lady did, he mentioned he was the angel of peace and he taught them how to pray in terms of faith, hope, and love. So we're doing this holy hour, faith, hope, and love. We are on the third week of the first part. I said 12 weeks. I'm going to do three weeks of love, then faith, then hope, then love. I start with love because I want to end with love. If God is love and Christ is love, like we said, the Eucharist is the source and summit of our faith, meaning that is what, that is what starts our faith and that is where our faith will end. And if God himself is love and St. Paul tells us that's all that's going to remain in the end, well, I kind of want to start with love so that I can end with love. I got to say, this is what's been happening for me. I asked anybody who wants to do the challenge to journal and see, how have you been feeling before you go and do the holy hour? How are you feeling during the holy hour? How are you feeling after the holy hour? And I got to say, you know, the first holy hour, I was pretty excited because I thought, okay, I'm going to get this started. I'm going to do this. And it's pretty cool. And it's kind of like, think like starting an exercise regimen or anything new, a new diet that people start and they get really excited about it, and they learn all about it and they're going to do it. So the first holy hour was, was phenomenal. It was great. Um, the second holy hour, I got to say it was a, a little bit more challenging because sadly in between the holy hours, life takes over. I didn't focus on it quite as much. It was always in the back of my mind. I never stopped thinking about love because that's what I'm doing as I as I read uh, a little bit of chapter from The Imitation of Christ every day so I can keep on focusing on love. Um, and so th- that was pretty key. That was uh, important in, in keeping that up because life is going to take over. The everyday's ups and downs start to take over and I start to lose that focus. But while I was praying the second holy hour, um, you know, it, it kind of felt a little bit dry and I was thinking, gosh, you know, I think it's my fault for not paying more heed to it, not focusing on it a little bit more during the week. You know, I'm, I think about Christ when I read my imitation of Christ, I, I do think about, gosh, okay, I need to focus on love and what does real love really mean? What does it mean in terms of the eyes of God? I'm hoping to learn that I'm asking God to teach me that, um, and what I'm supposed to do about love, but I wasn't quite as focused on it. The whole hour felt a little dry. I didn't know what to focus on. I'm still praying the prayers of the angel of Fatima during the holy hour, nice and slow. You know, it doesn't, I I don't pray them in a rushed way or anything like that. Um, It's more, you know, a little bit uh, um, paused. Um, For those of you who are listening, if you want to hear what those prayers are again, um, the first prayer, there's two prayers that I pray that the angel of peace taught the children of Fatima. And one of them is my God, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love you. I ask pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, and do not love you. And then the second prayer is, Most Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I adore you profoundly, and I offer you the most precious body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, present in all the tabernacles of the world, in reparation for the outrages, sacrileges, and indifferences by which he is offended, 
And by the infinite merits of his most sacred heart and the immaculate heart of Mary, I beg the conversion of poor sinners. I read them throughout the holy hour. I kind of read them at that pace and I give myself a pause. You know, I don't read them right away. I don't do it like a rosary. I don't do it like Hail Mary's in a rosary where I'm meditating um, because I want to hear the words of these prayers. I want to let them sit, almost like Alexio. Um, you know, I kind of want to let them sit and see what that means because these are words from heaven, if you ask me. You know, Fatima was uh, worthy of belief according to the Vatican, according to the Holy See. So these words have to be worthy of belief and they're coming straight from heaven. Probably not as powerful as the Our Father because that came straight from Jesus Christ, but this is coming from the angel piece. It was the message uh, and the prayers taught before in preparation of Our Lady. Um, and they talk about peace. I think that we need to find that peace. So what happens during my holy hour? My second holy hour, a um, little bit dry. It's about to be done. I'm about to leave. And I felt something in my heart where it was Jesus talking to me. And he said, leaving so soon? And I didn't know what to do with that. It was, it was, uh, I gotta say, it was one of these things where unless you were there, um, you kind of had to be there. And the only one who could be there was me because it was an individual relationship, right? We have our individual relationship with us in Christ. And what I could feel at that moment was Christ saying, leaving so soon um, after spending an hour. And what I felt in me was it was kind of like being with a friend. Like Im- imagine being back in junior high when you're just kind of silly and you have your best friends and you're 12 years old and, and you laugh about silly things that don't seem to matter uh, as an adult and, and, that, and you laugh about fashion or you talk about somebody, not necessarily bad, but you're sharing an experience or you go to a, an amusement park and you're with your best friend. And even though it might seem silly to somebody else, you know, you laugh at silly things together, but those are the moments that are so important. You bond as a friend. And that's what I felt with Christ. I I felt that sense of the individual relationship. I felt that sense of, you know, it didn't bring me to tears. I can get, I can be a pretty emotional guy. And sometimes I'm brought to tears uh, when things are so uh, moving or happy. Um, But I really felt that presence of Christ, him telling me kind of like after you share that moment with your best friend and you're about to leave because you're going to go back to your parents or your house and you really miss them. And you're like, oh man, I wish I could spend more time with you. I wish we could goof around more. This is what brings me a sense of life. That's kind of what I felt from Christ, where it was like, in a way he was telling me, stay here and goof around with me. But in a spiritual way, in a prayerful way, in, in you know, let's follow this. Let's do this mission together. Um, and it was, it was really striking. I couldn't I couldn't explain it to anybody else. It would be kind of like if you meet somebody and you say, hey, remember that time you and I met and and this happened, but you only shared that experience with that person. Nobody else has been shared because you met that person for the first time. You could say something silly like, oh, remember that first time we met and I tried to shake your hand and I accidentally missed and I poked you in the eye and you fell and nobody else was there, but you shared that experience and it was meaningful and it was going to be, you know, jarred in your memory forever, uh, seared in your memory forever. That's really what I felt. I felt Christ saying, leaving so soon. He was really telling me, we need to do this more often. You know, once a week might not be enough. The challenge is for once a week. And for our listeners, I would say, hey, you know, uh, keep doing it once a week, whatever you feel Christ is calling you to. But I'm gonna, I, I got a feeling I'm going to do this a little bit more than once a week. Uh, I'm still going to keep praying the uh, imitation of Christ uh, every day or reading it every day uh, and getting my verses from it. There were a couple of verses I wanted to share um, that I thought were powerful um, because I thought they were, they were really, really good um, in terms of they spoke to my heart. And one of them was, um, let me see here. 
Oh, where is it? Here we go. One of them was, have charity for all, but familiarity is unwise. Sometimes it happens that we know someone only by fame, but when we meet that person, we are often disappointed. And sometimes we think we please others by our presence, when in reality, they come to dislike us because of the faults they see in us. I thought that was a really good passage in terms of humility. Like I said before, what Mother Teresa, and it reminded me of what Mother Teresa had said, you know, you're not called to be famous, you're called to be faithful. And so it says here, sometimes it happens we know someone only by fame, but when we meet that person, we are often disappointed. That was striking to me because I think at that point when I was reading that, and I was thinking about love and loving Christ. It was kind of like Christ. And, and then afterwards, when I did the holy hour, and Christ said, are you leaving so soon? Like, let's hang out. It was more like, do you know me only because of my fame? Or do you know me because we are friends? Stay here a little bit longer. Get to know, let's get to know each other. So that you're not following what other people say. So that when you understand love, and if you want to love me, and you want to love others, know what you are loving. Not by what people are saying in the headlines, but love me because you've come to know me because you've spent time with me as a person. That was what was really striking to me. Um, and I felt that. I felt that when he said, why are you leaving so soon? Um, and then the other one that was good in terms of humility um, was, it was in chapter seven on false confidence and arrogance. And it said, do not consider yourself better than others for you may be worse in God's sight. Do not be proud of your good works for often what pleases us displeases God whose judgments differ from the judgments of humans. Whatever goodness or virtue is in you, believe that your neighbor has better qualities. In this way, you will preserve humility. I thought that was important too because it spoke again to, are we seeking to be famous? Are we seeking to uh, know people because they're famous? Are we trying to just rub elbows with people because they're known and we want to be known? Or is it that we need to lower ourselves and elevate others and be humble because we really don't know um, what's going on in other people's lives. You know, if I'm, if I'm going to love somebody, if I want the, I think that the virtue of love comes from being able to be humble enough to realize that I'm not going to make a judgment on somebody because of what I think I know about them. I'm going to take the time to get to know them. And since I'm asking for the virtue of love, I think, I mean, this is kind of what Jesus was speaking to me. Stay here. Why are you leaving so soon? It's only been an hour. Let's get to know each other a little bit more. And if you want to come to love me, know who I am, not who the world says I am, not who you think I am, not when people say Jesus didn't say that. That's not what it says in the Bible. Find out for yourself, but you're not going to find out unless you talk to the person. You know, we, we look at movie stars. We look at people who we think are influential as they say. Um, but do we know who they are as people? The people can talk a lot, but do we know who they are as people? You know, we, we look at scientists and we say, oh, because he's a scientist and he said this, um, this is what true healing and deliverance is, or this is what I need to focus on for because this person said it and they have a name, they have notoriety. Um, well, that's great. You know, the fame is great. I got to reduce myself. I don't want to be famous because of anything. I want to be famous. Just like St. Paul said, it's not me, but it's Christ who works in me. I do not glory in my works because it is Christ who is doing this. And this is where I say, if anybody's talking to you about healing, and we know our faith comes from the Catholic faith, from the magisterium of the church, that's where our healing is going to come from. But if anybody does not mention Christ or the Eucharist as a source and summit of our faith, of our healing, um, then I would have to question that. I would have to use that as the bar that I use when anybody talks about anything else. I would ask myself, what does this have to do with Christ? And what does this have to do with healing? I trust the science because science comes from God. You know, we look at things and we look at science and it comes from God. 
I got to question the scientist. A lot of times, you know, as I'm sitting there in front of the Eucharist, this is why I want to do this. My hypothesis as a scientist is that if I sit in front of the Eucharist and I listen to God, the scientist, Jesus, the scientist, that my theory, right? You're going to hear a lot of theories out there. Listen to that word theory. I was talking to our producer, Richard, about that, because sometimes we get on our pedestals and we say, this is what it is. You know, the universe was came upon because of a big bang. Well, the big bang is a theory, which means I'm, I'm guessing theories are a guess. Well, I'm saying this, my theory is that I'm going to find peace if I focus on the virtues and I spend time in front of the Eucharist. And my hypothesis is that this is going to happen because Christ said it would. And I'm putting my faith in Christ. I'm saying, if Christ said this was going to happen, I'm going to end up finding peace in my life. I don't know what that's going to look like. It doesn't mean that it's going to come easy either. I might have pitfalls along the way. I might not feel good, but I'm putting my faith in Christ as the scientist and see, get to know him, get to love him. Now, to all my listeners out there, feel free to email me on a couple things. My email is doctor, that's dr. Sandoval, S-A-N-D-O-V-A-L, V-M-P-R, at gmail.com. I want you to email me and give me any updates on how you're doing with your holy hour. What's going on with that? I want to eventually have a Zoom meeting if enough people want to join our egg, one or two people, that's okay. You know, we can have a Zoom meeting. I know that we're busy. I know that we all have different devotionals, but if you want to take this on and if you think that Christ is truly going to be the scientist who's going to heal me, um, then I want to see how this is working for their people. It's not going to be an easy road. I always tell my patients, medication works subtly. That was the other thing that I, that I felt during the holy hour. Christ was telling me, are you expecting a miracle overnight? Like, what are you expecting from this? Take your time with it, you know, but don't leave so soon. That was very powerful to me in that moment. So that's one thing I want to hear about. How is your holy hour challenge going? The other thing I want to hear about is when have you felt direct healing from Christ um, or Our Lady or something Catholic in your life? What have you felt that caused direct healing? We hear stories about apparition sites. If we go to Lourdes, if we go to Fatima, there's people who leave their crutches. There's people who leave their wheelchairs. There's people who, you know, use the holy wa- holy water. We're scientific about this too, because in order for the Vatican to declare that this is a true miracle, they want to get what? Doctor's records. We look at the science and we say, medically speaking, is this possible? Is this something that the person could have been cured through medical means or human means? Or is this supernatural healing? We want to get that uh, answer. And we look at Christ as our source, right? We say they went to Fatima through, through the faith that they had, uh, going to Fatima through the faith that they had in Christ, they were healed. I asked myself if there's a healing and deliverance conference, where are they asking you to put your faith? Are they asking you to put your faith in Christ where the healing takes place, where we have scientific proof, where we saw the sun dance, that's scientific, that's beyond science. And I, I got to say, there's plenty of witnesses. There's no way that it could have been a mass hallucination. I can tell you as a psychiatrist, that's not how it works. That's impossible to do. Um, and people saw this, this is true science. This is witnesses, uh, to the science and all that stuff gets blown off. Whenever it comes to Christ or God healing us, it seems like that stuff's not quite as important. What I would say is I'm going to continue with my theory I truly believe that if I continue to do these holy hours, there's going to be a level of peace in my life that I'm not aware of because we're going to get not just the virtues that are going to lead to moral excellence of faith, hope, and love, but I think we'll start to opening up ourselves instead of the power of the universe, which I don't know where that's coming from in terms of just the universe in general. I want to open up myself in the same way to the power of graces that are going to be doled out by Our Lady as we do this. Our Lady's the the mediatrix of, of graces, right? She's the one that, that doles out the graces. And the graces are going to be as unique 
shall we say, as there are angels. Same way St. Thomas said that each angel has uh, their own genre, they're their own species. Um, I believe that there's different graces out there that we don't even know about. There's graces that God is probably going to tailor just for you. And I could feel that. I could feel that when Christ said, why are you leaving so soon? Get to know me. We are friends individually that nobody else is going to know what kind of relationship we have. Um, and that relationship's also going to be for everybody else. I'm not going to know what kind of relationship everybody else has with Christ. I'm not going to know about those details, but I got a feeling that it's going to be pretty satisfying and fulfilling. I got a feeling that if I do this or anybody out there who's going to start to do this, I'm going to focus less on the power of crystals or wanting to know what the future is or reading my horoscope, even just for fun, probably less ideas of, oh, I need an exorcism or less focus on the devil's working in my life. We focus on that so much, you know, sometimes, oh my goodness, where's the demonic influence? Where is it? Oh, I see the demonic influence. And I think that that kind of takes away from where's God working in my life? Where is, you know, where they say where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. And, you know, so many people have asked me sometimes, you know, how do you account for demonic possession? How do you account for demonic influence in the world? And they get really enthralled by that. And my question would be, well, how do we account for grace? You know, how do I account for God's grace working in our lives and keeping us in existence, um, even though there is evil in the world? And that's really what it comes down to. I think this holy hour for me, this quest for peace is, you know, do we ever stop? to look at the fact that I exist. That's going to be the key. I exist. I didn't exist at one point, and now I exist. What does that mean? If I were on a deserted island, if I, would I be focusing on faith, hope, and love? I know that I would be focusing on what's going on here. Is there a higher power? I would turn to something, and I'm hoping that through the holy hour, we start to find that. We start to focus more on focusing on Christ, focusing on what it means to love him, and then we're going to see those healing changes in our lives. Um, you know, when I was about to leave and, and Jesus said, no, you know, why are you leaving so soon? It kind of actually made, I, I had a pause. I had to pause and stop and say, wait, am I supposed to be here longer? Or, you know, am I, am, I got, you know, I hated to say it, but I got things to do too. And that's where I realized, don't leave the holy hour, take it with you. God's not telling you not to do the things you got to do in life. Cause obviously we got to get up and do things in life. But don't make it so that the holy hour is the only time you're spending time with me. You know, while you're doing your things in life, take me with you. Take this holy hour with you. And until we meet again here, just like you have your, you know, with your best friends when you were younger, how many times would, let's say you're in, in school and you're in a classroom and something hilarious happens. And what do you think right away? Oh my God, I got to tell this person about this. I got to share this moment with this person. I carry this person in my heart. And that's why when something happens, I turn and I think, I need to share this with my friend Tommy or my friend Juan or whoever it is. Oh, I got to tell them about this. They're going to laugh. We need to bond in this moment. Christ was kind of telling me the same thing. Don't leave me here at the altar. Take me with you in your heart so that when things are happening, come back and share that with me. You know, if something happens in your life, you can say, oh man, I got to tell Christ about this at the next holy hour. I really felt Christ as a person in that moment. I really felt the love that he had for me and I don't know that I knew how to give that back in that moment. That's, that was the hard part for me during that holy hour. I, that's how I felt afterwards. You know, I say, keep a journal of how you feel before, during, and after. Before, it was kind of a struggle to get there. During, I felt kind of dry. After, I felt like I need to spend more time. With, I need to get to know Christ more. I think I know him because I hear the gospels. I think I know him because, you know, I see him, you know, we do this, the stations of the cross. I think I know, I would dare say, I think I know about him. But as I spend time there in the holy hour during that dryness, I think that that's where I'm starting to get to know him. 
You know, you can read a lot of biographies about people. You can see actors in the movies. And sometimes you think you know the person. And then when they interview the person, you realize that they say, yeah, all these people think that they know me. I mean, they know my movies. They know what people have written about me. They know the gossip about me. They know what's being said. But none of them have spent time with me. They don't know who I really am. They know the the image of me that's being portrayed. I think that this is where uh, the important part of this holy hour for me and continuing this challenge in 12 weeks is really getting to know Christ the person and hopefully gaining faith, hope, love, growing in those virtues so that I can present myself to Christ as a virtuous person. I'm not there yet. Got to keep doing it. Got to keep working out once a week, every week. Email me, Dr. Sandoval, VMPR, and there's a period after the R, at gmail.com. Um, let me know how your holy hour is going, and I want to hear about any moments in your life that you have seen true healing um, based on your faith, based on where you knew that God was working in your life and moments where you thought there was no other way other than the intervention of God, our lady, the saints to help me really heal and to help get closer to him. You know, next week when we come back, uh, we're going to talk more about the Holy Hour, of course, uh, towards the end. And uh, we're going to get updates on that. But I also want to get um, your opinions. And if you, if you write these to me, let me know if you want me to share these on the air, because sometimes it's very helpful to our listeners to know you're not alone out there and you can heal and all the healing is going to come from Christ. Until next week, this is Dr. Sandoval. You're listening to Dr. Lee Sandoval's show. We'll see you then. 